Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. So what? No, seriously, so what? What does it matter? It's easy to allow the celebration of Easter to overrun the theology, the significance of the resurrection. And our text this morning gets at the so what. But I'd like to start by, with a little story to help you thinking about it. In my second career with North American Hydro, I worked with a gentleman named Del Paulus. Del was a big guy. He was gruff. He was a Native American. I can't remember whether he's Oneida or Winnebago, but boy, he was a mean character. He was the company millwright, and his van was the mobile tool locker. He had personally installed or rebuilt all of the generators and turbines in our little operation. And as the new kid on the block, my tools consisted of a little bag of electrical tools, some drawings, and a PC. We were light years apart. Well, very early on, I found ourselves working at Billsby, which was our largest plant, repairing holes in a draft tube. I don't have time to explain what that is, but, but picture this. Dell and his son, who sometimes work with us, are standing in a 14-foot aluminum rowboat. They're standing on a piece of carpet for a little bit of insulation as Junior holds large pieces of steel up against this pipe and Dell welds. The welding leads are snaked down through the generator floor into this little chamber where they are, and there I sit. I've got a welder and a walkie-talkie. My job is to adjust the welder to whatever I'm told and, in case of disaster, unplug it. Well, this was a long morning, and happily, Junior downstairs was taking most of the grief, and suddenly their muffled voices that I could just barely hear through the floor grew louder. Nothing on the radio. So I called down, no response. It goes on, it escalates some more. So I kill the welder, not knowing what's going on, walk around, got all the way down to the bottom, and Dell is fit to be tied. You didn't do what I told you to do. Well, I didn't hear anything on the radio. He says, maybe the batteries are dead. No way, I put in new ones this morning. Well, it was almost lunch, so we got the boat over to the side and got them out. We all went back up to the generator floor and I took my walkie-talkie and opened it up, pulled the battery out. Grabbed a meter, dead. New or not, there were zero volts on these things. So what? Well, don't shoot the messenger. So what? Leads to the question, why? Why this reading from Acts chapter 5? I mean, it's the second Sunday of the resurrection, and Peter will claim that the resurrection vindicates Christ's life and work. This is not the typical categories we have for understanding the resurrection. What does the resurrection show or prove? We speak of things like the victory over death. 1 Corinthians 15. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Resurrection also has strong Exodus and Passover themes. He is the acceptable sacrifice as demonstrated by the resurrection. John 1, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We hear that echoed in the explanation of the second article. I believe in Jesus Christ, who redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sin, from death, and the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and its innocent suffering and death. But Luke, 
here in Acts 5 is not concerned with victory. He's not talking about the atonement. Rather, his focus is on vindication. Just like I was proved right, Christ was even better. Christ died the most ignominious, repulsive death known to men at the time. It was the death of criminals, the enemies of the state. Yet in Luke's account, we hear the witness of his executioner. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God saying, Certainly, this man was innocent. Christ was vindicated. Luke makes the same point in the Emmaus story. Recall the disciples' summary of events. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yet when Jesus reveals himself in the breaking of bread, they're convinced that his death was not a failure. So much so, they got up at that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. Christ is vindicated. This Peter summarizes before the Sanhedrin. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on the tree. You killed him, but God raised him. You convicted, but God overturned not only the judgment, but the penalty as well. In fact, Peter goes on to say, God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. His vindication, not only his death, but his entire ministry. The resurrection vindicated Jesus' claim concerning the sign of Jonah. Recall from Luke 11, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. So Jesus rose after three days from the belly of the earth. The resurrection vindicated Jesus' claim concerning the sign of the temple. John chapter 2, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. But the people and the disciples didn't understand. So John continues, Now therefore when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. And certainly the resurrection vindicated Jesus' final passion prediction in Luke 18, where he foretells his arrest and mockery, concluding, And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. Alleluia, Christ is risen. So Christ's resurrection validated his entire work among us. And now we hear the testimony, the witness of his disciples. Peter's sermon in Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. And then a second sermon in the temple after the healing of the cripple in the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3. In both, the resurrection is the turning point of the message. But why should anyone believe? What validates the message that they proclaim? The wonders recorded in our text. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. People were moving their sick, what, out into the street, right, on pallets, so that Peter's shadow might touch them and they'd be healed. And then there's the miraculous release from the prison at the hand of the angel. If you ask, why don't these signs and wonders continue today, it's because it was not a demonstration of God's presence. If they were, we could expect it to continue. Instead, the miracles served to validate the message of the disciples, just as the resurrection validated Jesus' message. And we hear the twofold reaction of the people in verse 13. None of the rest dared join them, no doubt for fear of the Sanhedrin, we'll hear about later in the text. But the people held them, as the apostles, in high esteem. Something's going on here. 
It was a sunny day on Thursday when I outlined the sermon, and again on Friday when I wrote it. And you know something? My shadow did not have the same effect as Peter's. Why not? Well, a better question would be, where do we look for validation? If the signs validated Peter's message, where do we look for validation? Increasingly in our society, Peter's answers turned on its head. God rather than man is being turned into man rather than God. Hey, Trevor Sutton points us to the, the little like button on Facebook, right? Mutual self-validation, self-justification is just a click away. Sutton notes that Facebook, quote, provides visible confirmation and affirmation of other users. The amount of likes a post receives is visible to other users. The Facebook platform is a public forum for determining what is good and right and salutary by other users. But the technology just makes easier what Adam already knew and practiced. It's not my fault, Lord. It's the woman you gave me. Or what Cain said, I'm not my brother's keeper. Luther nailed it when he wrote, quote, The carnal nature of man violently rebels, for it greatly delights in punishment and boasting its own righteousness, and in its neighbor's shame and embarrassment at his unrighteousness. Therefore it pleads its own case, and it rejoices that this is better than its neighbor's. Close quote. Looking inward for validation, whether by building ourselves up, or tearing down our neighbor, will never work. It always fails. We need the external validation that Peter declares boldly, this Jesus whom you killed, God has exalted him to his right hand as leader and savior. Jesus is a savior. Return for a moment to that misguided criminal conviction. There Jesus hung between two thieves, right? When the one railed against him, the other rebuked him, saying, Don't you fear God, since we are under the same condemnation, and that indeed justly? Then he turned to Christ and asked for remembrance. And Jesus' reply, Today, today you will be with me, not just on the cross, but in paradise. Well, what does that actually mean? Well, simply this. It's a validation of Christ's authority as Savior. The promise is valid on the merits of the one who spoke it, and therefore the promise holder is also vindicated. The chief, yes, but also you and I, you are baptized. You have God's promise. It doesn't rest on the authority of the baptized. There's no counting hits or likes or memes or anything of the sort. The singular promise of the external Savior, whose validation you can count and the nail marks in his hand, and the spear in his side. You have external validation of a savior and also of a leader. Walking in his steps, our presence does cast a shadow. Not the miracles of Jerusalem, but the care of our neighbor. When we relieve suffering or minister to needs, the homeless connect that where boxes are downstairs, or the lunch backpack program, or Bethesda Auxiliary, they're all shadows cast as we walk in Jesus' steps. But the shadow also has eternal consequences. It's the same message. The resurrection is still valid. God has exalted him at his right hand to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And not just to Israel, but to all people. 
His resurrection validates the standing of sinful men and women before God to all who believe and call upon his name. Back at Billsby, we made it back from lunch with a short stop to get what? Batteries. <laughs> the, the vindication actually led to a good working relationship and indeed a friendship over the years. Dell was a fearless defender of his own. And as the new kid, I truly benefited from his wisdom and experience in the field. When our validation comes from God and not from within, the same thing results. We are fearless because Christ's resurrection validates our hope of eternal life. And we receive the wisdom of Christ. Christ's resurrection brings the Holy Spirit. Christ's resurrection validates his authority as leader and savior and our hope of life ever after. Therefore, we can confess with Peter, or Thomas, my Lord and my God. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.